Welcome to the Let's Grow Podcast, where you will learn marketing, entrepreneurship, culture, politics, and more. Now sit back and get ready to stimulate your mind with host Fabian Rossi. You know, say what you will about Donald Trump, his politics aside, the guy is an excellent, excellent marketer. Probably the best image marketer aside from, let's just say, Julius Caesar. Because what Julius Caesar did is he wrote his own history. Can you believe that? He wrote his own history in third person. So when you read about the times of Julius Caesar, you're reading his account of what happened. Speaking about himself in third person. And when I see Donald Trump, what he does is he does something very similar. Nobody would be tougher on ISIS than Donald Trump. But what he's done is he's tapped in to something that's endemic in the American population, especially in the last five years. And what he's tapped into is an overabundance or an overcorrection of politicizing and self-censorship. Everything is politicized now. You can't say some of the things you want to say. You have to hold back because of what you, th- what you think other people might think about it. You self-censor yourself. It's almost as it's the opposite of our First Amendment. What I'm talking about is the fact that he's, he sees this over-politization of people, this self-censorship, this, this underabundance of their freedom of speech, and he capitalized on it. Because he had such a big pulpit and such a big microphone that he was able to do these things and not have anyone you know, try to shut him down. So essentially, people that feel like they've had to be self-censored to a, to a certain amount where they can't express themselves the way they want to, they gravitate towards him because of these things. It's like when you watch a movie and you see a character and they're going to go into a room and there's a murder in their room and you scream, don't go in there. Well, they're trying to help the character do what they would do in that situation. So when people see Donald Trump talking all these crazy things, you know, part of it is, is, is entertainment. But another part is that people just feel self-centered. So when he makes fun of people, I mean, you should see some of the memes that he posts on his, uh, on his you know, Instagram and Twitter. They even make me laugh. But if people were to post that and they had friends from both sides, they would get negative comments and feedback from people who oppose their viewpoints. So what do they do? They shell themselves in into their own types of people because they can be more expressive and more free. And then that leads to a more a more dividing amongst amongst the population. You don't you don't you don't know how many people have stopped being friends, family members who have stopped talking because one of them supports Trump and one of them does not support Trump. And that's exactly the game plan. Now if you look at Scientology, Scientology is some of the most craziest people in the world. That's basically the same exact game plan that they utilize. If you have a family member and they don't agree with your crazy Scientology beliefs, the church deems them what's called an SI, a suppressive individual. And they instruct you to cut off all communication with that person. doesn't matter if it's your mother, your daughter, anybody. doesn't matter how close they are. You are supposed to cut them off because they are impeding your growth in the Church of Scientology. 
Because their goal is to make sure that anyone who does not agree with you or your views is out of your life and that your only friends are the, are other Scientologists. So if you were to want to leave the church, you'd have no friends because you shunned everyone else. And everyone's your friend of the circle. You get together on the weekends and you, know, you hang out. And you agree with each other because you're all drinking the same Kool-Aid. And Trump's game plan as a marketer is no different than the Church of Scientology's game plan. You know, they want you to separate from all of your friends that don't agree with you, have them unfollow you, and only hang out with people that agree with you. Now, this is something that is so dangerous, and it's on both sides, the left and the right. I'm, just because I'm talking about Donald Trump as a marketer doesn't mean that people on both sides do this, but... The worst thing that you can do is only have yes men around you. Now, this is something that I believe America, just people all around the world have lost. And it's the ability to discuss and argue different opinions. Now, when I say that, I mean that literally you cannot have an argument with anyone else without them getting mad and getting emotional. When I talk to some of my friends who are hardcore Republicans or hardcore Democrats, the first thing that they say is what they see on Fox News or CNN or, or anywhere else. They regurgitate these facts. Oh, Trump is horrible because this and this and that. Or, you know, uh, Obama was the worst. Hillary Clinton should be in jail. The servers, the emails. That's not a discussion. That's not an argument. That's you putting, you espousing your political opinions but if I were to ask you what specifically you didn't like about the Obama about the Obama tax plan or the Obama health care plan, what specifically did you not like? How were you specifically impacted? Or what specifically do you not like that Trump did? What law did you pass? Like what are the specific things? That's how you have a discussion with people. Not Trump's ruining the country, Trump's ruining the world, Obama's ruining the world, Hillary Clinton is a crook and should be in jail. That's not, that's not what I asked you. I asked you what specifically do you feel would be best for the American people and what specifically did, let's say, Hillary Clinton do that impeded your view on how to make America better? Because at the end of the day, you both want the exact same things. People say, oh, the Democrats want to ruin the country or the Republicans want to ruin the country. You, you idiot. Why would you want to ruin the country you live in and your whole family lives in? That doesn't make any logical sense. What you mean by that is they have a difference of opinions on how we can make the nation better. That is what we're arguing over. One is not the enemy. One is not. There's no enemy. You both live in the same place. You both eat McDonald's. You both go home and you watch Netflix. <laughs> You're the same exact people. But going back to Donald Trump's marketing genius, I mean, to build an, whatever kind of empire he really has. But the guy has made a career off just image marketing. So any influencer, any content creator, anyone who wants to you know, be famous, take a page out of his book, not his views or anything like that, but just what he's done. And if you, get, and if you leave me in the comments, oh, Fabian, you're, you know, how can you say Trump is good again? You're using your emotion. I never said that. What I said is, as a marketer, he is great. And, you know, that reminds me of something. Uh, it's an amazing documentary that I, I suggest 
every single person listening watches. It's called White Right Meeting the Enemy. It's a documentary from 2017 by Dia Khan, and this is an amazing documentary. If you haven't seen it, I believe it might still be on Netflix. If not, just Google Meeting the Enemy. You'll be able to see it. But what it is is this lady who's from England, and she's a journalist, and she's she's Indian or Pakistani. And she's a writer, director, Peabody Award winner, etc. And she writes these pieces about the far right. And she gets, not even in America, but in, you know, in England, and she gets these crazy death threats, people calling her like sand nigger and all these crazy names. And she's like, I'm scared of these people. So what she does is she's come, she comes to America and she wants to meet with these people who she's so scared of. And what she does is she goes to these far ultra-right conservative events, these KKK-type people, and she interviews them. And she gets a few of them, high-ranking ones. I mean, these are people who you've seen in the news you just don't know that they're them. They're the people that you see at the front of the protests. She gets them to agree to let her in their house and spend time with them. And it's the most amazing, eye-opening thing because what it shows is that at the end of the day, we're all the exact same. The only difference is our opinion on the country. So she goes to their house and she's sitting with this guy who she's scared of and she's just watching how they live. The guy grew up not having many friends. He was kind of shunned at school. He was kind of like an outcast, felt powerless. Father, I believe, don't get me, don't, don't quote me, but I believe his father was a bit abusive or, or left. When he got to high school, you know, had acne, had all, couldn't talk to girls. Then he found this group, this ultra-right conservative group of other men or people. And he says for the first time, he felt powerful. He felt like he could do something. He felt like he was worth something. And he got deep into this group and he, at the time of their filming him, he was still in the group. It wasn't like he left and now he's talking smack on him. No, he's still in this group. But it shows that when you take off the mask or you take off the whatever it is that you're trying to be out in the streets with your friends and you come home, you're just a normal person trying to, trying to pay the bills, trying to get through life. Trying to have, trying to make for your, you know, trying to make money and provide for your family. And it was pretty incredible to watch this because it really opened my eyes to something, you know, I had always thought about. But to see it done in such a, such a creative way was definitely eye-opening. So I, I suggest if you haven't seen, it's called White Right Meeting the Enemy by Dia Khan. 93% of Google users like this movie. That's, that's pretty high rating i traveled around the world when george bush was president and the first thing that i would that people would say when you know when they when they asked me where i'm from and i would respond with america is oh george bush is horrible then i traveled when obama was president now this has nothing to do with with whether or not their politics are right or wrong okay this is just the way the world sees america now cut to when i travel when obama's president you wouldn't believe that as soon as I said, oh, I'm American, people loved it. Oh, you're from America. Oh, I love Obama. Oh, America. Good, 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 good. Now, 
I feel like I'm back in the George Bush days because when I travel and people know I'm from America, they apologize to me for Donald Trump. So they don't think that I support him. They just say, oh, I'm so sorry for what you guys are having. You guys have a crazy time over there. They're literally apologizing to me for me being from the United States, which is pretty funny because when it was George Bush, it was like, oh, George Bush, this and this and this. But he's apologizing to me for, you know, being American. And I said, I mean, we're, I'm fine. You know, it's not like Donald Trump came in my house and took my money or punched me in the gut and ran away. But it just goes to show how who we have as president steers the world's view on us. So there was a report that just came out. I think two days ago, that said that it, this is not including Americans. This is just people around the world. And I think it was a Dutch company uh, who put this poll in the field. But the poll was, which leader of the world do you trust the least? And surprisingly, Donald Trump is less trusted than President Xi of China. I mean, that's huge. That's huge. And, you know, regardless if you agree with Trump or not, the fact that the world sees us this way is not good because foreign relations is a massive part of our economy. Trade negotiations and trade deals and foreign aid and support in the United Nations, all these things come into play when when you're trying to create foreign policy and you're trying to fix the world and help people. And if no one wants to play with you, if you're in the, you know, in the in the sandbox and all your friends don't want to play with you because they don't like you, then you're, you're not going to get a lot of time playing with toys. They're not going to make a deal with you. So for that reason alone, it's really imperative that the that the leader of the American people be a try to be as nonpartisan as, as they can try to be a united rather than a divider, regardless of politics. You have to stop thinking about politics. Just think about the role of the presidency in and of itself, what is it supposed to do to the world? It's supposed to bring us together. We are still the eyes of the world. People still look to us for guidance. Even if we've fallen fallen off our, you know, whatever, our prime a bit, we still kick everyone's butt. So to be an example for the world is something that's very important. And right now we are not an example. And the way we're acting is not a good example. I mean, would you want your kids to, to, to grow up in this kind of vitriol state that we're in? I would hate to be a kid right now in development, finding myself. You know, I, when I grew up, I was in college and we had lively debates. Sure, you know, you had your neoconservative Republicans and you had your ultra-left, you know, but it wasn't like it is now. I don't think it's ever been like it, like it is now in American politics, at least. Not that I can remember. I mean, Jimmy Carter was unliked. Nixon was unliked, but it, was, it wasn't to the level that it is now. And then in the times of uh, Truman, Eisenhower, Kennedy, it wasn't like that. People united around America versus the bad communist. And it's gotten progressively more and more divided. So, I mean, at what point do you even say, we can't do this? What, are we going to start keep infighting amongst ourselves? Try to have a whole civil war again? Because we know that doesn't work. It didn't work the first time. Just think to yourself, use logic. You're living in a microcosm in a tiny, tiny little period of time when time is a massive novel. We're living inside of a period, basically. A period at the end of a sentence. And you have to really study your history. This is why I love, you know, being a student of history all my life and in college was because you learned that our situation is not special in and of itself. We are 
reliving what has happened so many times in history. There's a leader of a country or of a, of a people's that is a warmongering type, divisive kind of person. I mean, it's not like this has never happened before. We had Hitler, we had Mussolini, we had Genghis Khan, we had, we had Alexander the Great, we had Julius Caesar. I mean, just an insane amount of people that have this role. But as human beings, we should have gotten smarter by now and say, okay, we get it. Like, this is what happens. But, you know, because we're so sucked into social media, there's no incentive to learn history now. You can be completely sucked into your social media and the algorithm keeps you looking at what it thinks you want to look at so it gets your attention and so your eyeballs stay there so it can show you more ads, so it can make more money for the stockholders and the shareholders and a board. And people read books now that are 100 pages long because they want to get it over with just to say they read a book. And that book is like one-tenth of what you would find in, in, in a book that was made just even 100 years ago, 150 years ago. I mean, if you read Socrates, Plato, Aristotle, Kant, like all, all these philosophers, the amount of information that you would get from just one of their books would probably be completely eye-opening because it touches on a tons of different subjects. But nowadays you read the subtle art of not giving a fuck and you think that it's a godsend. <laughs> when all that is, is that's plagiarizing some of the old best writers taking one paragraph and making it into one sentence or one chapter and making it into one paragraph dumbing down the information when what we should be doing is expanding on it so whenever you're out talking to people and you meet new people politics gets brought up just use logic leave emotion where it should stay inside you and use your mind and use your brain because one of the worst things that humans have as a species is emotion it makes us make bad decisions i mean think of how many bad decisions you've made because of emotions and how many bad decisions you've made when you've really thought it out and explored all your options and done a pros and cons i'm sure it's going to overwhelmingly be in favor of using your mind so the fact that we still use our emotions so often doesn't make any sense and part of the reason is because our visual stimulation is so strong. I mean, how do you get information into your head? You hear, you smell, you touch, and you see. Well, we can't touch a different part of the country. We can't smell what's happening in Tennessee or Iran. So the only two senses that we have to take in information is our sight and our hearing. And that's two out of five. So imagine how many mistakes that you'd make if you're only using two out of your five senses to try to take in information and make sense of it, especially when that information has been skewed for a purpose. You know, it's not like we're getting the right information from anybody. We're not getting the true story, exactly what's happening. You're getting two different stories from two different sides that want you to believe two different things. So it makes sense if you're using logic to look at both sides look at their story and then the other people's story and figure out, okay, what's in the middle? What makes more sense? And if you do that, you'll, you'll never get duped. You'll never get sucked into a cause or movement without due cause. And you'll always have your head on straight and you'll make very good decisions. And with that being said, 
take that knowledge and run with it. My name is Fabian, and until next time, let's grow.